What's up, guys? My name is Micah Canale, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm joined today by my wonderful husband and co-host, Josiah Canale. Hey, babe. Josiah, thank you so much for joining us and spending time with us and our audience today. But will you introduce our amazing and special guest today for us? Yeah, we are live here in the studio downtown Minneapolis, and we count it an honor and privilege to have a Zoom call right now with Greg Steer, and um, Greg has been recently a Twitter buddy of mine, but more importantly, he's a newer friend, and even I can think back to when I was in middle school and high school, and even in college, when I went to North Central University, the textbooks, many of them for youth ministry and youth evangelism and youth discipleship were written by Greg Steer, as well as I remember being a teenager learning about the gospel journey through mm. some online teaching videos. And so Greg is the founder and CEO of Dare to Share Ministries. And he is also the author of at least 16 books that I could find. <laughs> and newest, most recently, Gospelize. Few people, I, I believe this with all my heart, but few people are more committed to mobilizing young mm. adults to reach their generation for Christ with the transforming power of the gospel like Greg is. Greg also has a reputation for knowing and relating to today's teens and young adults in unique and effective ways. Because of his 25 plus years in youth ministry, Greg is widely viewed as an authority on teen issues and adolescent spirituality. Over the past 20 years, he's spoken to over a million young people in major mm -hmm. venues. And so, Greg, welcome. Thank you for your time today. Man, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> that's just your story. I'm <laughs> Realizing I'm old and I've written a lot of stuff and been around a long time. And yeah, glad to be here. You know, I'm just, I'm a nobody telling everybody about the somebody who changed my life and uh, that somebody's Jesus Christ. So, so glad to be here. I was a roofer for eight years before I got into ministry, so I could roof your house too if you need it done. So that's it. I'm a blue collar guy with a powerful message, and that message is 2,000 years old. So one string guitar, the gospel. That's amazing, Greg. We're so excited that you are here. And we consider anybody who says that they're old on this show, I have a theory. I call them seasoned salt. I know we're called uh -huh. to be the salt of the earth, but we have some seasoned people before us, and we view you as one of those people um, just because of your experience and your willingness to say yes to what Christ is doing um, in your life and believing in this next generation. So, Greg, do you want to start off by just sharing about your, so your story and also about the longevity in the next-gen ministry? Yeah, you know, my, you know, I come from an inner city family, never knew my biological father. I was, uh, my family were like the sons of anarchy, just, you know, just crazy street fighter, bodybuilder, insane people that the Denver mafia nicknamed my uncles, the crazy brothers. So the, when the mafia thinks your family's dysfunctional, that's not good. So highest crime rate area of our city high poverty and um, a preacher from the suburbs reached out to the city and shared the gospel with my toughest uncle and one by one they felt like steroid filled dominoes <laughs> and they all came to christ through various circumstances but it all started with the preacher um nicknamed yankee wow and he, he spoke with a southern accent but his nickname was yankee this sounds totally made up but it's so <laughs> true he's still on youtube you can watch his youtube videos it's so funny but he had a killer youth ministry. They had 800 students in his youth ministry, only 300 adults in the church. Wow. And they 
I got involved and I was trained and equipped to share my faith. And I came in thinking that's what youth ministry is. It's growing deep in your faith and it's uh, telling people about Jesus. And that's kind of where the vision of Dare to Share started. I started thinking, well, there's other churches out there. There's other kids like me out there that need need the gospel. And so I, I kind of unofficially started traveling and training other youth groups when I was in high school. And then it got formalized uh, in 1991 when we started Dare to Share. And then I went full-time because I was a pastor in the Denver area after the Columbine High School shooting, uh, April 20th, 1999. I just said, okay, we got to get focused here. So our vision is every teen everywhere hear the gospel from a friend. Our mission is to energize the church to mobilize youth to gospelize their world. And we're not going to stop until every last teen has every last chance to hear the gospel so that uh, we can see a, a movement with teenagers and 20-somethings just take over the globe of gospel-advancing, disciple-multiplying movement. If that does not pump you up, I do not know what will. <laughs> I mean, I can feel my cortisol levels, my adrenaline just pumping. Let's go, Greg. Come on. You're a passionate teammate um, to everyone listening, and we're, we're praying. Our prayer over this episode is really looking at some trends in evangelism, trends in discipleship, like the men of Issachar, you're one of the people who understands the time and knows what to do. And you're passionate about evangelism and discipleship. I know that. And would you tell us what is your vision for your ministry called Dare to Share? You you mentioned a little bit. Would you go deeper? So basically, I look at teenagers and, and you know, 20-somethings, young people as this, this sleeping giant in our churches that are, you know, activists, that Gen Z want to do stuff. They want, they're very busy, they're very disciplined, but they have a vision, a very causal vision. And why not give them the greatest cause ever, which Jesus gave to us, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Right. And I know there's a lot of good causes out there. You know, I mean, we want to we want to provide food for the hungry, we want to provide water for those who are thirsty, we want to build homes for the homeless. Uh, we want to stop hu human trafficking, but we say you can do both. You can uh, provide bread and the bread of life. You can provide water and the living water. You can build a house for somebody on earth and in heaven. You can stop human trafficking and stop soul trafficking. And that we need to lock in those causes together mm -hmm. and really unleash the power of this generation. The UN, the United Nations, calls this the largest generation of young people in the history of the right. world. 1.8 billion people between the ages of 11 and like 25 years old. If we could harness uh, the the potential of teens and 20-somethings, we could turn this turn this world around with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, how do we we do that by really energizing the church, mm. working through the already existing infrastructure from Pentecostal to Presbyterian, from urban to suburban to rural, from national to global mobilizing the church to energizing the church to mobilize our young people provide tools resources training and just unleash them for the glory of god that is awesome so as you equip them with the tools and all those different things that you just talked about what are some trends that you're kind of seeing across the nation when it comes to this generation whether it's issues or spirituality is there any common theme or threads that you can kind of you know share with us today well, I, I think we have to really recast uh, the gospel as a love story mm. that just happens to be true. And instead of leading with apologetics, that's the PS to the love story of the gospel. They're still Apologetics are still important, but we don't want to lead with them, right? 
we lead with love and then we tie that in as we're into conversations. I think also we need to read, uh, there's a, a great story, uh, a great study called Reviving Evangelism that was done by Barna and Alpha. And one of the things they talk about in that study is relearning the art of conversation. So really equipping young people to initiate gospel conversation. So the way we do that at Dare to Share is we teach students three concepts, ask, admire, admit. Ask a ton of questions, get to know somebody, be genuinely interested in who they are, find out what they believe spiritually. Instead of arguing, admire what you can about what they believe, like Paul did in Acts 17 with the men of Athens. Uh, instead of arguing with them about their paganism, he found something he could build on. Uh, and then admit the reason you're a Christian is you're so messed up, you needed Jesus to save you. And from there, you can tell your story and then you can you know, share the gospel because you're in a conversation at that point. You're not making a presentation, you're in a conversation. So I think that's a huge trend. I think also we have to know how to deal with the whole LGBTQ plus issue. Uh, I think there's a lot of people in Christianity that want to, you know, slap the sin out of people's hands first and then say, come to Christ. But that's like saying you got to get cleaned up before you take a bath. So you right. come to Christ, wow. doesn't matter what your struggle is, whether it's, you know, uh, sexual issues or whether it's a drinking or gossip or pride, you come with all your sin, you put your faith in Christ, he forgives you, uh, he comes to dwell inside you through his Holy Spirit and he begins that process of sanctification and continues it on to the moment you're dead. He's still working in me. Right. So, uh, and, and you guys. Um, and so... I think that's really important that we really present the message of grace in a loving way. We speak the truth in love. And uh, yeah, there's other other trends as well. I mean, I think uh, the exclusivity of Christianity is a big deal. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, that's, that's like a punch to the face uh, in this culture. Mm -hmm. So we need to preach the exclusive message in a very inclusive way. Mm -hmm. So... When Jesus said to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him. So there's the world, it's inclusive, believes in him, ex exclusive. So we need, to, we need to be very loving and kind and shrewd as we share this powerful message of faith alone in Christ alone. My word, I, I, I'm learning so much. I'm soaking this up like a sponge, and I know others are as well, Greg. And something that spoke to me deeply that I've never heard put this way, as you said, for this generation, we are preaching and proclaiming a love story that happens to be true. That is the gospel message, mm -hmm. the message of truth, the hope of salvation, and apologetics is the PS, the postscript. That was dynamic, and, and I just wanted to repeat it. And um, so, Greg, when you see evangelism paired with discipleship among young people, what stands out to you, and how can leaders have a heart that is both evangelistic in breadth but discipleship in, in depth? Yeah, I think we have a false dichotomy in the United States, and that is first comes discipleship, then comes evangelism. Because I, I talk to youth leaders all over the United States, now all over the world, mm -hmm. and it's always the same. Well, my kids need more training, more tools. You know, they're not ready for a Dare to Share event because they need more theology, they need more discipleship. And like, so they need more Sunday school, more Bible study, more small group, more, more theology, yeah. Then I ask them, how's that worked out for the adults in your church? Wow. When Jesus engaged in discipleship, he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. 
The discipleship pattern of Jesus is a three and a half year missions trip separated by training along the way. So I think we've got to flip the script. That's good. Uh, matter of fact, when you were baptized in early church, that's the first thing you did. You stood in the water. You said Jesus is Lord. It wasn't in the confines of a church building. There were no church buildings. It was in front of your friends and family that were yet to be reached. That is a gospel, I mean, a microcosm of the gospel presentation right there. Yes. You're saying Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And I, I'm believing in him. Right. And right away, led with evangelism. And I, I really feel like we, when we get people that are new believers telling their friends and then training them along the way, they grow deeper, faster, because they're more dependent on the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you look in James 2, when Abraham was willing to offer Isaac on the altar, it says his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete, literally matured by what he was willing to do, mm. because he put what meant most to him on the altar. This is 25 years after he believed in God, it was counted him as righteousness. Now he's willing to go all in by putting what means most to him on the altar, and he matured rapidly. What means most to the average young person is how they're perceived by their peers. When they share the gospel, they put that on the altar. Wow. Their faith and their actions work together and their faith is matured by what they want to do. So if we want to get our students, our young people to grow in Christ, we need to get them to go and preach the message of Christ. That is awesome. I think that's a big reality check for any of us who've done it, maybe flip the script and you're saying, hey, we need to they need to stand before their peers because that's who's perceiving them and that's who they can influence the most, influence and multiply themselves faster than we can multiply ourselves as leaders oh at times. Oh, you yeah. know? I mean, with, with, with social media today, the other illustration I use is, is sponge and milk. If you pour milk into a sponge and don't squeeze that sponge out, the milk rots. Right. So we, our philosophy of discipleship is just pouring more and more milk of God's word into a sponge, but we don't train them to squeeze it out. And that's why I think we have a lot of rotten discipleship strategies. Mm. It's just content, just soaking in it. I'm like, Nick, let's get it out there. That is and a great fresh, visual. Yeah. You know? That's a great visual. So, Greg, what is what is on your heart for young adult leaders who may have been not flipping the script and how you just described? Um, what 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 is on your heart for those young adult leaders on college campuses and also leading young adult ministries throughout the world, U.S., whatever? So I think we can, we need to start creating a culture. There's an old, old business saying culture eats strategy for breakfast. So we need to create a culture that's more like the book of Acts than a typical church stuff, right? So we got to be mission-driven, not meeting-driven. Um, 2013, we did a massive research project through an outside research uh, organization. We found seven values that were in every uh, disciple advancing, gospel advancing uh, ministry out there. The same seven values were true from, again, Presbyterian to Pentecostal, urban, suburban, rural. I cross-checked it with a 1,000 pastors and youth pastors, uh, senior pastors, young adult pastors, youth pastors, different demographics. Cross-checked that with the book of Acts to make sure these yeah. guys weren't crazy and the research project was solid. All over the book of Acts, all over the Gospels, all over the epistles. Seven values, uh, we call it a, a gospelized ministry. Number one, intercessory prayer fuels it. The youth ministries that were reaching the most people for Christ were praying for the lost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Two, relational evangelism drives it. Mm -hmm. So people were reaching their own peers with the gospel. Three, this one hurts. Leaders fully embrace and model it. So the leaders are the ones leading right. the way in prayer and disciple making. 
for a disciple multiplication strategy guides it. it wasn't enough just to make converts they were making disciples that made disciples fifth a bold vision focuses it so there was a bigger vision that drove that ministry not just within the walls but outside the walls six biblical outcomes measure it they were measuring the right things not like attendance is at the bottom of the list but things like how many disciples have we been made and be able to plug into our group Where's the spiritual maturation points of our youth, uh, of our youth group or college group? And seven, ongoing programs reflect it. So they program yeah. their priorities into their weekly rundown, their weekly uh, calendar, and their annual, um, uh, their weekly schedule and their annual calendar. We have a website with all that stuff on it called gospeladvancing.org. And even mm-hmm. though it's for youth leaders, it, it's we have senior pastors using this stuff. So sevenvaluesgospeladvancing.org and uh, if they go to the dare to share store dare to share.org store they can actually uh, download a free digital uh, copy of my book gospelize your youth ministry just change the illustration if you're not a youth minister change illustrations out for college or church it works i was a pastor for 10 years this stuff works church-wide so gold that's amazing and by the way listeners we will like always we will be posting the links that you can find out more about greg steer dare to share ministries the gospel eyes website that he just mentioned if you head over to our social media accounts or mm-hmm. young adults.today website we will be posting the links in the show notes so greg thank you for your generosity with those oh, resources as well and we want to talk in this next section of the conversation about this generation with evangelism. Um, And let me ask you this, Greg. If you right now today were going to go to your haircut in a half hour and share your faith with someone who's a pre-believer, they are outside of faith in Jesus, um, a non-believer maybe, or a pre-believer, we like to say, this afternoon, what would you share? Ready, go. Well, I already did. Sonny Boy the Barber is just, is just instant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I walked up to him and he had cats all up his face. I go, Sonny Boy the Barber, that's your name? I go, are you in the mafia? And he's like, no, but I used to be in jail. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. So we started talking about stuff. And uh, my son had gone to him as a barber. And so he was talking to him about the Lord. And so I, I kind of got into it. and Just to ask, admire, admit, that's what I did. I asked him questions. I admired kind of his background. He ended up talking about he had uh, made a decision for Christ early on mm. in the Calvary Chapel movement. And then, you know, we started talking about where is he plugged in now, invited him to my old church. And was just ask, admire, admit is a simple, simple template that anybody could use because you just talk to people and you're praying the whole time, Lord, open up a door. And when you pray that the Lord opens those doors up. You know, you just got to make sure you take the turn at the at the at the fork in the road. Don't you know? Just don't turn left, turn right, right into that that conversation. What a helpful framework for myself, for Micah, for everyone listening and tuning in. Ask questions. Get good at asking open-ended questions that people can respond to with without just a yes or a no. But they'll t- they'll talk about their life. People love answering questions, mm-hmm. and and then admire just respect them, find common ground, and then admit, Mm -hmm. wow, what a helpful resource and framework, Greg. That's amazing. Yeah. You know where I I learned it? The video series you saw, Gospel Journey Maui? Yeah. We were on top of a mountain, uh, Haleakala, which is the, you know, the active volcano in Maui. Right. And I was supposed to ask questions 
and listen to their answers from all these different worldviews. We had a Mormon, Muslim, Buddhist, Jewish guy, girl that thought God was a black woman, the big cookie. She got her view from uh, the Matrix, mm-hmm. surfing evangelical named Zane. And he was like, dude, kind of that kind of guy. <laughs> and, uh, and I started asking questions. Nobody answered. So I started preaching. Our producer said, cut. He pulled me over. He goes, you want to ruin this? Ask questions and listen. Just be quiet. And you'll get to the gospel sooner or later. And then I asked questions and everybody started sharing. And it was uncomfortable for me as a preacher to hear worldviews that were clashing with Christianity. I forgot Zane, the surfing evangelical. They were like, Zane didn't share. And he was like, dude. So like, I was listening to Josser talk about believing in one God. His name is all. I believe one God too. His name is Jesus. And Emma, you're like... uh, Buddhist, so you want peace? Jesus calls himself the Prince of Peace. He took something from everybody's belief system and wove together one of the most beautiful expressions of the gospel I've ever heard. Wow. So I'm like, I'm getting schooled by an ex-drug dealer. Uh, And uh, that guy has been traveling with me for 14 years now, saying, No way. He's he's based in the Twin Cities up at uh, Grace Church. No way. Works a, does a ministry called Love and Life, but we travel together for 14 years. But that's where I kind of watching that. Wow. It's where I learned that whole ask, admire, admit, cross-checked it with scripture all over the place. That is so fun to hear because one thing that God's been teaching me these last five to seven years is you're never too young to teach and you're never too old to learn. There's always somebody older than me in the room and younger than me in the room, and I can offer both sides of it something, but on the receiving end, I can learn from somebody younger and I can learn some from somebody older and you know to be sitting on that mountain and get schooled by somebody you're probably, <laughs> that's that's a humbling Dude. moment but that is so fun to hear how we're able to learn something no matter what their background is oh yeah and yep. I think that's a beautiful thing about who Jesus is and how he approached people in that in the process of discovering what are their passion points? Where do they come from? Why are they the way they are? So, well, I mean, and nobody asks questions more than Jesus. 300 right. questions in the Gospels. 300. So, I mean, we need to get good at asking and get better even at listening. I love that. So, Greg, what would you say to maybe maybe some listeners are like, well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm a teacher. I'm this. I'm a preacher. I don't, I don't know how to evangelize as strongly as you know, even you, but you're walking out your faith. Your barber knows where you stand now. You know, all those different people in your life, you're walking out what you believe God has called you to do. I think that's beautiful. So for the person who's listening in leadership, how can we as leaders develop a heartbeat, a burden, a passion, or even an anguish for the lost outside, you know, of the believers of Jesus Christ? How how can we do that? Yeah, I think, first of all, we need to start praying for the lost. When you pray for the lost, you see the lost. It's like when you buy a car, you've never seen that car on the highway, then you see it everywhere. Exactly. When you pray for the lost, you see the lost, right? Um, And then I think also realize God uses different styles of evangelism. My wife is very relational. You know, she's a public school teacher, built strong relationships. I'm a little bit more direct, uh, but all of us, God wants to use ours, the way that we are to naturally share the gospel. And again, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. Mm-hmm. So if you're nervous to share your faith, that's a good thing because it makes you depend on the spirit of God. And realize it's, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's really not about you. 
Uh, Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I've used this illustration with teenagers before. The gospel is like a grenade, right? It doesn't matter who pulls the pin, it's going to explode. Right. It's powerful. <laughs> and so you need to just pull the pin, right? You need to share that message in love and let the Holy Spirit do his work. So God wants to use you. And the more nervous you are, the more dependent you are on him. So it's all going to work out just fine. Amen. That is a word of encouragement we all need. And so would you tell us, Greg, about your most recent book and project, Gospel Eyes? Yeah, Gospel Eyes, your youth ministry, again, seven values. And these can be used, you know, in a college ministry, it can be used church-wide. Um, and man, it's been getting, the Lord's really opened the door globally for this book um, to, to really explode. And we're just seeing, a, it's, it's more like if evangelism training is, uh, how to chuck gospel seeds, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, gospelize is about how to build a greenhouse mm-hmm. so that your ministry is making and multiplying the disciples. You're creating a setting and a culture where that is happening on a consistent basis. That's so good. So, Greg, if you could t- be handed a microphone today and you were told that you could share one message with our generation or maybe the generations to come, what would you say? simple if they're not a christians i would i would share the gospel right and if they were already christians i would i would equip them to share the gospel so good don't don't underestimate it's it's the it's the game changer don't get distracted by bright shiny objects you know be the bright shiny object is the coming new jerusalem that's you know a city of jasper and gold let's keep our eyes on that bright bright shiny object and bring as many people as we can there As you're talking, Greg, I just think of how Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus, and he says, I pray that your eyes would be opened to how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know the power like of that love, that's amazing. And for us who know that message of truth, we have this responsibility to share it, to dare to share it. And so, yeah, why would, we, why would we keep that message to ourselves? Right. I mean, and why would you not go all in? I mean, to use a poker analogy, we, we not that I encourage anybody to play poker, but I've watched <laughs> enough James Bond movies. We got, the, we got the royal flush, which is mm. an unbeatable hand, right? There's n- nothing that can beat us. We're more than conquerors to Christ. That's right. You get that royal flush and you don't go all in, it's crazy. Why would you just throw in one or two chips? We receive salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. Nothing yes. to do with anything we've done, everything to do with what Christ has done. So go all in. I beg you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in view of the royal flesh, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Go yes. all in. Not because you have to, but because you get to, and it's dumb not to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Greg, we want to go all in with you right now. So we've come to the last five minutes of our message. We know you've got some appointments today. So we have five and five. So five questions, rapid fire. Try to keep them under a minute if we can, and we'll wrap up here. But what has surprised you? Question num- number one, what has surprised you the most about young adults and the next generation? I think I answered that already. Just their passion for yes. cause and making a difference, which is so exciting. Amazing. And Greg, you've done a lot of events. Maybe it's a gospelized event. Maybe it's when you were pastoring or doing evangelism. Um, but what's been one of your favorite events and why? 
Well, we do a thing called Dare to Share Live, which is a live simulcast to 100 plus cities across the United States coming up on October 12th. And wow. everybody's trained and equipped at the same time from 9 a.m. on the West Coast to noon on the East Coast. And then they're mobilized to collect canned food for local rescue missions and share Christ. And they upload gospel conversations, starting videos to their friends in their feed. And now it's spilling over in other countries. Wow. And so it's so exciting to feel like an army is raising up uh, through Dare to Share Life. So it's it's a lot of fun. Wow. And one more time, you said that's October 12th? Yeah. Yep. It's daretosharelive.org if people want information. That's so fun. Good. That's perfect place to kind of get plugged in. So we know that you've probably seen a lot of life happen in your life, around you. What is one of your favorite life stories of change that you've seen? And, you know, it's my my family's. I mean, my Uncle Jack uh, went to prison for choking two cops unconscious at one time. We were trying to arrest him on assault charges. Yankee, that preacher on a dare, knocks on his door, says, I'm here on a dare from a guy named Bob Daly to tell you about Jesus. He goes, I don't know Jesus, but I know Bob, so I'll give you five minutes. Wow. The gospel to him. Yankee said, does that make sense? He goes, hell yeah. That was a sinner's prayer. It was hell yeah. <laughs> and he brought, then he brought 250 people out to Yankee's church that wow. desperately needed the gospel. And, I mean, I just, my family story is still my favorite story. And my story, I mean, I was a little eight-year-old kid, but never get over the story of salvation. No kidding. This is a fun interview today. So blessed by it. And... Greg, sometimes we learn from our successes, right? And there's events that go well or, or books that do well or projects that we pour our life into that kind of by God's standards and man's standards uh, succeed. And then there are these moments of um, hidden success in failure that sometimes when we, when we have failure, it teaches us so, so well. Would you be willing to share us an epic failure in ministry? Oh, I got so many. Um, let me tell you, one of my worst was when I was pastoring and doing Dare to Share at the same time, my wife and I uh, had been married a few years. We got into a raging fight on the way to the Bible study I was you know, at, and I was not leading the Bible study tonight, that night, even though I was the lead pastor, the associate pastor was. And of all the nights, he said, let's go around the circle, see how we're doing. And I tried to spin it. And my wife said, my husband's a jerk. He's gone every night. He's gone every weekend. He comes home. He's got nothing left for me. I can't fake it anymore. My wife is not like that. And then the pastor said, oh, the associate pastor said, oh, you think you're all that with Dare to Share if you don't take care of business at home? And I'm like, you want to do this right now? And I mean, I am arguing with my wife. He says that. I snapped. I charge him in the middle of the Bible study. No way. And the Holy Spirit hits me in the middle of the room before I get to him. And I began to weep like a, like a kid that got hurt and can't catch his breath for 30 minutes. Wow. And it was all out. And the whole church knew because the prayer chain lit up. And uh, it saved my marriage and saved my ministry. Because the church came around us, encouraged us, and coached us. And I got things right by God's grace. No so no more hiding. Greg, thank you for sharing yeah, that. For I real. think a lot of listeners, whether they're single now, whether they're going to be married, maybe they're lead pastors, whatever their role is as a listener right now, there are many times when married people get in the car and that's when the enemy attacks. He, he sees that inch and he takes that mile and all it takes is one comment where we want to fly off the handlebars for whatever reason. So we thank God yeah. for his amazing grace and community and just your heart to be able to share that with us today. So and this, this Sunday is our 29 year wedding anniversary. Yay! So we, oh my word. Congratulations. 
Woo! That's awesome. All right, Greg, we have one more question for you, and we'll let you go. But if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministers one thing, what would you leave them with as a listener today? I would say mobilize those young people. Mobilize those college students. We need revival like never before. Tired of reading about revivals in the past. Mm. We need to experience one. Yep. And we, we have that sleeping giant. We have the same Holy Spirit as the early church. We have the same gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we got 2,000 years worth of lessons. Let's go. Let's do this thing. I'm getting goosebumps right now. <laughs> That's so good. Greg, thank you. You fire me up. I, I guess I just needed this dose of gasoline. I have a fire in me, but it's like today is just pouring some gas on the grill and... I'm ready to go. I'm ready to mobilize. I'm ready to encourage and ask and admire and admit. 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 I'll remember it. Got to edit that. (laughs) I still make mistakes. I have epic failures too. But Greg, thanks so much for a great conversation today and for joining us. means the world. I appreciate it. Counted an honor. And you, you guys, as listeners, we can all find out more about Greg Steer, Dare to Share Ministry, Gospelize, the events happening that we can participate with when you connect with us on our website, youngadults.today, in the show notes, as well as across social media platforms at youngadults.today. Until next time, we're with Greg Steer, Mike and Josiah Kennedy signing off. Till next time. Up right now, yeah.